0: God created a righteous man named Noah. The other people were wicked in the sight of God, so God said, I will destroy them. They had corrupted the way of God, Genesis chapter 6, and they had also brought violence to the earth. So God said to Noah, he would destroy them. And he told Noah to make an ark. Therefore, God made a way of escape for Noah and his family. Later, God raised up another righteous man, Abram, Abraham. Genesis chapter 12, God speaks to Abram. Until God speaks, you can't do works of God. Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee, and I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. Sarah, Abraham's wife, was barren. Abraham had no children. Yet God has told him, I'm going to make you a great nation. Your seed is going to be like the sand of the sea, of the beaches, of the earth. If you could measure the number of the sands of the earth, that will be how your seed will be. At one point he took Abraham out and had him look at the sky. And God said to him, your seed will be like the stars of the heavens in number. And yet he had no heir. But Abraham, Abram, as he was first named, later his name was changed by God to Abraham. Abram had no children. How's this going to happen if I have no children? Sarah is barren. He was 75 years old at the time God Took him out from his father's house. Sarah went with him. Lot went with him, but he was seventy-five, and God keeps telling him, "I'm going to make your seed that comes from you. They're going to be as the sand of the of the beaches of the earth. They are going to be like the sand of the earth. They are going to be like the stars in the sky." and yet he has no heirs. But God spoke this to him multiple times. 25 years is going to pass before Abram has this child of the promise. He's a 100 when the child is born. Sarah is 90 at the time the child is born. Nothing is impossible with God when he says he's going to do something. So, whatever God has said to you, He will do it. Hold on to this thing about Abraham. It didn't happen immediately for Abraham. I've had times that I've had to wait as much as four years after praying, asking God for a solution on a problem. But it did happen. But it took four years on that one case. Of one problem. And often it's immediate. That God will bring to my mind immediately. What to do. But if it, he doesn't bring it immediately. You have to wait. You have to still believe. What he has told you. I would write it out. And keep it before me day and night. Because the devil will steal that one. If he can. But God will do what he says. So the devil won't underco- overcome God. But your flesh might suffer more if you don't keep the promise of God or what God has said to you in front of you day and night. So God starts with Abram by speaking to him, bringing a thought to his mind. For no man has seen God. Therefore we know this came in the form of either a dream or a thought. It's not explained to us exactly how God spoke to him, but we do know that God didn't appear to Abraham in a physical form. God sometimes appears in the form of angels who look like men, and they carry messages to us. We will see that in the examples ahead. Genesis chapter 12, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. He didn't even know where he was going when he left. He just had to get everyone together and leave. I'm sure he meant resistance. Don't you think his father would have said, Well, why are you leaving? He said, Well, God told me to leave. Well, you've gone crazy, Abram. I've had people do that to me. God told me once after an accident at my house in Texas when the ambulance workers rolled me past the front door of the house. God said to me, You'll never see this house again. One of our church people, when I put the house up for sale from the hospital, she said, I don't see how you can do this. I said, well, God told me I'd never see this house again. The house was on the real estate market for a year and a half without selling. I would pray over it, and I always knew it was the will of God. Why? Because God had told me I wouldn't see that house again. Well, why would I have a house it's sitting there in Lubbock, Texas that I'm not going to use. I knew it would sell. But I would pray for the year and a half as the, as I was reminded of it. See, sometimes you have to wait. But I knew it would sell because of what God told me. You'll never see this house again. But I had met opposition. The woman in our church group said, I don't see how you can do this. She's not in our group anymore. God removed her. But you will have opposition when you follow what God has said to you. What do you think about Noah? Here, all of a sudden, people see him in their neighborhood building an ark. What is that, Noah? What do you think? Don't you think somebody tried to say, well, you don't need to do that? If some human doesn't say it, a devil will say it to your mind. Why are you doing this? When you start hearing a word from God and following that word, you will meet opposition, often from your own household or your own church. So God said to Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. He didn't even know where he was going. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him. It's really so simple. God speaks to us and we simply obey what he said. Matthew chapter 10, Jesus said, Think not that I am come to send peace on earth, I came not to send peace, but a sword. A sword divides you from the other people. Jesus explained, verse 35, For I am come to set a man at variance against his father, and the daughter against her mother, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's foes shall be they of his own household. So when God speaks to us, it often separates us from the people around us because we start to follow God and they say, what are you doing? And they don't believe that God has spoken to us very often. Now, if they have the same spirit of God that we have, that's another matter. But very often they don't. Even if they're in your own church, very often they don't. So when you start to do something, they're going to look at you like you've gone crazy. If it was God who spoke to you, there is no counsel against God. Uh, That's in Proverbs 21. There's no counsel against the Word of God. You don't need to go around and ask anyone what do they think. If God speaks to you, you simply obey it. Actually, you don't want to go around and ask people what they think because most likely you're going to get a lot of opposition without asking anything. There is a secular saying that you don't really need any plans if you start to build a house. Just start to build it and your neighbors will tell you what you should do. That's just a secular saying. But often, often, when we follow God, when we hear a word from God, we're going to meet opposition from our own friends and neighbors and church and families. My cousin, who's a Church of Christ member, tried to keep me from doing the work of God that he had called me to do. She tried to keep me from doing that up until the time she was 97 years old. And I resisted her, but I prayed for her soul. God gave me a dream about her after she was 97. And I think he showed me she finally understood that I was doing the work of God. I certainly hope so, because her souls sort of depends on this. So Jesus says, Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father, and the daughter against her mother, and the daughter-in-law against the mother-in-law. And a man's foes shall be they of his own household. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. He that findeth his life shall lose it, and he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. The word comes to us, and it is like a sword dividing us from those who do not have that word 1st Peter chapter 2 but ye are a chosen generation a royal priesthood and holy nation a peculiar people that ye should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light which in time past were not a people But now are the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy, a chosen generation. It's not that we choose God, he chooses us. And he reveals himself to us. Once we were a part of the world, but now we are as strangers and pilgrims upon this earth after we are born again. Verse 11. Peter says, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust, which war against the soul, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation, in the day of judgment. So they may even call you evil or say your works are evil. My cousin certainly did that against me. She was Church of Christ, and she didn't believe that a woman could do radio broadcasts. She didn't believe a woman could write godly things to the church. And she fought against me till she was 97. So they will say that you are an evildoer when you do the work of God. And your foes will be they of your own household. But just keep doing what God showed you and don't turn from it. 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 3 For the time of our life May suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lasciviousness, in lust, excesses of wine, revilings, banquetings, and abominable idolatries, wherein they think it strange that ye run not with them to the same excess of riot, speaking evil of you. After you are born again, sometimes your friends. Say, well, why don't you go to the bars with us? Why don't you get drunk with us anymore? Why don't you commit adultery and fornication anymore? Why aren't you chasing women anymore? Why aren't you doing these things like you used to do? And they speak evil of you, and they don't want to be around you. But take consolation in this. You won't want to be around them either. I know after I was born again, I just wanted to go to church and be around people of God. I didn't want to be around those worldly people that I was once around after I was born again. So the word of God divides us from the people we were once around. We no longer want to do those things. After we are born again, we are new creatures created by God. 2 Corinthians 5:17 Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. God changes us. It's not that we change ourselves. It's not that we learn things and then quit doing them. It's that God changes us from within and gives us his spirit. So we now want to go another way. And we overcome our own flesh by going in the way of the Spirit, which will keep the flesh crucified. When we choose to go in the way of the Spirit, of what He brings to our mind. Therefore, we are changed by God. After God speaks to us, and we are divided from the world that we once served and tried to please. Now we try to please God. And remember, there is no counsel against God, against His Word. Proverbs 21, 30, 31 There is no wisdom, nor understanding, nor counsel against the Lord, whatever He has told us. That is what we do. Safety is of the Lord. The word that we have heard from God is all that matters. Matthew 13 verses 45-46 Jesus says, The kingdom of God is like unto a merchant man seeking goodly pearls, who when he has found one pearl of great price went and sold all that he had and bought it. The word of God is the only thing that matters. Did God tell me to do this? That's all that matters. Nothing else matters. So Abraham, Abram, followed God and obeyed him. And his wife, Sarah, and his nephew, Lot, And all his household servants went with him and they departed, as God told them to do, from his father's house. And they started out and they didn't know where they were going. But God was with Abraham everywhere he went and Abram was exceedingly rich by the time God finished taking him from place to place. And he obeyed God, and that was his righteousness. He believed it was God speaking to him, and he did what God told him to do, and that is exactly what faith is. Hearing from God and believing it's God who has told you to do this and doing it. And faith without works is dead. So you do according to what you have heard from God. Others around you might not believe that you've heard from God, and it makes no sense to them what you're doing. But if you've heard from God, it will work at some point in time. It will work to your benefit. It may not work immediately to your benefit, but at some point in time, it will. And your righteousness depends upon this one thing, If God speaks to you and you believe it's God, and it is God, that's your righteousness. When you do what he has shown you to do, and that is faith. First, God speaks. You believe it's God, so you obey him. I have several examples of this in my own life. I was born again in 1975. I owned a small business in Dallas, Texas at that time, a business in American Indian Arts. I had three women who worked for me. A woman came into our shop one time and wanted a refund on a book she had bought on the subject of turquoise. We're not a library or bookstore. We didn't give refunds on books. An incident occurred over that book, she took me to court over it. God said to me two words. Don't testify. I believed it was God. I was a new Christian, but I believed those words were God. And because I believed they were God, that's what I was going to do. Don't testify. It didn't even occur to me that people were going to get angry with me. I contacted my lawyer and I said, you might not want to represent me in this case because I'm a Christian now and I believe God has told me don't testify in this court trial. My lawyer said, no, I'll represent you. He said, if you would testify, I know we would win. But if you don't testify, I still think we will win because Flo's testimony will be strong enough, I think, that we can win the case with her testimony. Flo worked for me. She witnessed the incident that happened. When she found out I wasn't going to testify, she became very angry with me. I didn't anticipate that. I was simply trying to obey God. But while I believed it was God, that doesn't mean they're going to believe it's God speaking. Flo was very angry, and she said to me, now that you're not testifying, the burden is all on me. I said, well, what can I do? I believe God has told me, not don't testify. That did not help her anger at all. The man I was dating at the time said, Joan, you are not doing this girl any good by not testifying. And I said, well, I'm not trying to do her any good. I'm trying to obey what I believe to have been God speaking to me, and he said, don't testify. That was my only goal, to try to obey God. We got into the court case, and Flo testified, and my lawyer said her testimony wasn't very strong. It wasn't as good as I thought it would be. But if you will testify, we will win this case. I said, Well, I'll see. And I went into the ladies' room and I said to God, What do you want me to do? And I heard, Don't testify. So I went into the courtroom and my lawyer, from his position in the room, looked at me as I entered the door and I just shook my head no. After that, he didn't ask me any more. At one point, the case was going so badly. I said to God, I hope you know what you're doing. We're going to lose this case. But we didn't lose. We won the case, and I did not testify. And that's what the Word of God is like. When you hear it, and you believe it's God speaking to you, you have no choice. You do it. But you will most likely encounter opposition to what you're doing. And your foes will be they of your own household, and maybe your own church group, and your friends, and your family. But you do the word of God that you believe is God speaking. You do it because you believe it's God. And that is faith. That's the same as the faith Abraham had when he left his father's land, after God spoke to him. He believed it was God. He simply did what he heard to do. Thank you for allowing me to speak with you today.